Hey, welcome to Textual Healing. I'm your host, Mallory Smart. I somehow got an amazing opportunity to talk to Nada Alec about her new book, Bad Thoughts, from Vintage Press, that's coming out July 12th. Grab a copy, you won't regret it. Nada is a writer in Los Angeles. In the past, she's collaborated on an art and fiction book series called Future You, featured in Urban Outfitters, Cool Hunting, The Rumpus, and is currently also working on a forthcoming novel. In this episode, we chat about living in L.A., what happens after you finish writing a book, what it's like to tour with a band, and our favorite podcasts. She has some pretty lit recommendations. I suggest listening to one or two. But for now, please enjoy this very fun episode with Nada. Okay, so I'm pretty psyched that you want to actually be on my silly podcast, so thank you. Oh my gosh, no, it's, this is so fun for me. I, from what I know, it's like a, it's sort of about music, right? Yeah, we get into music and how it works with your writing, and I'm not going to lie, we go on crazy weird tangents. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely my speed. Tangents, just endless <laughs> tangents. I mean, there are so many other like literary podcasts out there and they get really into like breaking down and dissecting your book. And I respect the hell out of that because I actually have been on some of them and I think it's really cool. But like after a while, don't you just kind of get tired of people just asking you the same old questions? Mm-hmm. Definitely. And you can only answer them in like two ways of like, yeah, sure, your interpretation is really great. Or go to the pretentious level and actually act like you really, really meant this really weird thing that they got into. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I feel like even narrativizing anything in hindsight um, feels pretty unnatural because it's a lot of (laughs) feeling your way around in the dark. I don't know about other writers, but, um, it's sort of like my guess is as good as yours. And obviously now I can kind of see more of like a cohesive thing that, you know, came together, but ultimately, uh, yeah, I, I, (laughs) it's, it is sort of more mysterious. So I always like it when they actually like, they're smarter than me. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And they found something way deeper in the writing than I actually intended. Right. It's like, you know what? Yeah, I totally meant that. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe on a subconscious level, you did, you know. This was totally a criticism on consumerism. You're so right. Thank you. Right. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so um, that's why we go silly. I want people to know who you are. and Because I don't know. I don't think I could appreciate reading a book if I don't really know who the author is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So without further ado, how about you introduce who you are? Yeah. Um, I'm Nada Alec and I'm the author of Bad Thoughts. Uh, it's a story collection coming out July 12th. It's really cool. Now I have read Bad Thoughts now twice. Oh, almost three times the power went out on me last (laughs) night (laughs) what yeah I don't know if you actually are aware I'm in Chicago and we had a post-apocalyptic like tornado situation oh my god I did not know that yeah I thought it was gonna be a really good time like because I was just hanging in the bathroom with my cat because that's what you do (laughs) during tornadoes 
<laughs> and then like the power just started going on and off and I was like, oh dear God, is tonight the night? <laughs> what is it about the bathroom that keeps you safe or is it just a small? It's just, yeah, to keep from flying debris, you're not supposed to be by windows or anything. Not that that stops most Midwesterners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's definitely like kind of a two-step process when you're from the Midwest when it comes to tornadoes and the siren goes off, like step one, you immediately actually go outside to actually make sure that the siren is correct because we think that we're smarter than the weather channel. And like the second we notice that the sky is green and that maybe they're a little funnel thing forming, we're like, oh shit. And then we go inside and really the whole thing is you're supposed to like go away from like glass windows and if you're in a house, you obviously go into a basement, which I hear there aren't actually a lot of basements in places that aren't in the Midwest, which is a fun little thing for me to have learned. And if you're in an apartment building like me, you either go into the stairwell or the parking garage or your bathroom. And because I have a cat, I almost always choose the bathroom because I am 90% sure that the tornado is going to kill me. And I will be damned if I have to actually like spend any more socially awkward minutes around my neighbors than I actually have to. So, yeah, I, I would say that that's definitely how we handle storms here. Wow, terrifying. Well, glad you survived. It would be funny if that was the last book you read. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, at this moment, it is. So, <laughs> um, Well, thank you for reading it. Yeah, I mean, I won't say I got like halfway in and then the power went out and I was like, yeah, I guess I'm just going to hang on my phone and wait for the storm to go. God, but it's all fine now. Yeah. Do you get any crazy storms like that by you? No. In LA, it, you know, it barely rains. Um, but when it does, it's really exciting. Dude, totally bringing that Albert Hammond song, It Never Rains in Southern California to mind right now. But yeah, wow. Crazy. It doesn't last for that long now. But I grew up in Canada, so outside of Toronto. So it was a little bit more, the weather was a little bit more volatile. But um, yeah, being in LA, it's just sort of one endless summer day. <laughs> really kind of messes with your perception of time passing. Um, I was so. going to say, being from Toronto, don't, don't you miss the seasons? No, that, that's why I left. <laughs> I really <laughs> did not. Um, yeah, I'm kind of perpetually always freezing cold. And so uh, the, that climate did not sit well with me. And, you know, my, my family's from Croatia, so it's really Mediterranean. I don't know why they w- went to Canada. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's like uh, it really suits me, so... The immigration thing always fascinates me. My fiance is uh, Turkish, and he has no idea why the hell they chose here. It's just like, what is it? Like, usually just like you know someone from that city, and then that's why you chose to go there usually. Yeah, I think there was a huge uh, diaspora community, or at least like there was a lot of jobs in the mines, I guess, uh, with my... So my grandfather went out first, and um, then saved up enough to bring the rest of the family kind of thing. But yeah, I grew up in a really insular kind of large Croatian community. Um, And so they were sort of able to kind of, you know, 
still have their culture while getting better jobs and, and that whole thing. And so, yeah, I don't know. My parents are back in Croatia now, actually. So um, they have a house out there. They're both retired. So, um, yeah, can't wait to go <laughs> visit them. But Sounds very cool. I'll be in that area this fall. So, yeah. Where are you going? I will actually be in a variety of areas. I'll be getting married in Egypt, but wow. then I'll be visiting Bulgaria, Romania, Serbia, just all sorts of fun places. Uh, my, I want to say my boyfriend, fiance, he'll be husband soon, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. It's a weird transition into that word. He's the guy that lives with me. <laughs> right. <laughs> but he's from those areas, and he's got a lot of family there, because I guess when you live in Europe, you just tend to like work wherever you can find jobs. Mm -hmm. So I'll be checking that area out. Yeah. That's congratulations. That's, that sounds fun. Thank you. What a destination wedding. (laughs) We didn't really have a choice because my family were hardened Catholic Catholics. Um, not me. Okay. But his family, they're very Muslim, so we were just like, we can't mix these two. It's going to be hard, so we just decided to do our own thing. Is your family going, or is it just sort of no. more your eloping kind of thing? Yeah, we're eloping, and we're discouraging anyone from throwing a party for when we get back. Okay. <laughs> just being like, and we got married, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, We don't need to make a big deal out of this. Pretty stressful. Yeah, I was talking, I want to say the last person I tried to discuss like the whole prospect of this with was Duncan Birmingham. I saw you just did a reading with him, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just met him. He's really cool. Yeah, he was saying how chaotic, because he apparently used to be a wedding DJ, like just how wow. stressful it is. And I was like, oh, hell no. Like, I, I'm not ready for that. Yeah. Like, if I'm throwing a party, I want it to be my party. I'm not paying for everybody else to listen to their weird music and stuff. Yeah, it's a lot of work and it's it's sort of bittersweet because all of your favorite people are there but you just don't have any you know time to talk to them and then it's over. And so it's you can kind of experience it in hindsight through photos and videos. That's it's you're sort of at least I felt like I was in shock for the entire day and then I was sort of able to relive it. So See, it's bad when both my boyfriend and I, fiance and I, I'll go back and forth with that term. Yeah. <laughs> we both have acknowledged that if we did do a wedding, we would need to have a lot of volume between right. the two of us. Yeah, it's that's like, fair. Do we really want that? Nah. <laughs> or like we only know what happened through video. Right, yeah. Just completely black out. But I mean, people who black out during weddings, they're fun too, just not at your own. Yeah. Yeah. I just went to my best friend's, um, wedding two weekends ago and that was, that was cool. I feel like they did a different take on it where it wasn't, you know, like a conventional wedding. They have this, um, studio and compound in Topanga and it was just all these musician friends and they all played cover songs and it was really, I don't know, it was really them and, and, and like unique. It wasn't like your typical wedding. So that was so fun. It being a music podcast, I have to ask what songs, what kind of songs do they play? (laughs) Well, what's that one? Islands in the stream. Is that what it's called? There is that one. Okay. Um, 
yeah, just a bunch of kind of older signs. See, I should know, but it was like, it was pretty cool. It was like Angel Olsen, uh, Father John Misty, Dawes. They performed the covers. Oh, wow. That sounds so lit. That like sounds like one of the best weddings ever. I wish that I could have a wedding like that. Seriously. I mean, the opportunity to hear other musicians who, I mean, you're very tight with on a personal level, but like have them who have major public personas cover artists that aren't exactly as big as them or as notable currently in today's age. That's really tight. I think a lot of people forget that musicians are fans too. So yeah, I I would dig the hell out of that experience. I'm really jealous. Do you like remember any of the other songs that they performed? Well, I forget. (laughs) It's some, yeah, I'm going to have to, I'm so bad with, uh, it's so funny because whenever anybody asks me like, what do you listen to? I just completely, I have that like disease where I just blank (laughs) whenever I, I can't think of one single, um, musician. So that's going to make this podcast so great for you. (laughs) No, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I I, I will. I'll, I'll make my brain work, but, um, like 20 minutes from now, you're just going to be like, shout out random name. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's how you know I'm not prepared either. Well, I was just like random band. Yep. <laughs> it's like the worst ones are burned into my consciousness. You know, not the cool ones that you want to say that you listen to, but just the most embarrassing ones. <laughs> um, so the most embarrassing ones tend to be the best when you're drunk. But <laughs> yes, yeah, the nostalgic ones for sure. Yeah. What is like your most embarrassing guilty pleasure song? Oh my gosh. Um, and I mean like song that like you're jamming to while driving your car and then suddenly you hit like a red light and you have to like roll up your window and turn the music lower because you're embarrassed. Yeah. Well, I have this like very secret running playlist that I've had for years um, that no one is allowed to ever see because, and it's really just filled with like a lot of like Destiny's Child, <laughs> like older kind of like 90s hip-hop and rb and like but it's such a weird mix um because i also grew up listening to a lot of when i was younger a lot of croatian like turbo folk and like folk music and uh kind of their version of like 80s pop and that kind of thing and so uh there's a real comfort in in kind of listening to those but if i think anyone who doesn't, doesn't have the context for it would listen to it and be like, this is trash. Like, what is, what is this? Um, because it, yeah, but I don't have that filter. I'm just all nostalgia. So I'm like, this is my jam. And it's like interesting because I only realized in hindsight that a lot of those songs were just pure ripoffs of popular American songs. And I guess no one caught them. And, and, I, I remember hearing on like a radio lab or something that's like a common thing with certain Eastern European <laughs> artists where I guess they're just too small and obscure for anyone to kind of check in on that. But just full ripoffs of like Bruce Springsteen and ABBA songs. And I thought that those are the originals. And I was like, these songs are so good. But then my husband, who's a musician, was like, this song is literally just <laughs> this Bruce Springsteen song. So um, it's a mix of, yeah, that kind of stuff and 
yeah, just a lot of uh, Missy Elliott and Destiny Child, which I guess is not even that embarrassing. Not that embarrassing. But, um... I mean, I'm aging you as a millennial, yeah. right? Yeah, I'm okay, definitely so millennial. I wouldn't judge. Thank you. Like, I would pull up next to you and be like, I got it. <laughs> I'd be listening to it, too. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I, a lot of my music has sort of evolved around running, which I, I started doing when I was, like, 16, and I would just kind of go run in the forest, which sounds like a very Canadian thing to do now that I think about it. it really but, does. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I obviously used to, I grew up on emo and um, hardcore and, you know, pop punk. And, and then sort of what got into more indie and folk and, and, and sad songs. And I would still sort of run to set really sad songs, which is like a weird, a weird thing. Um, hey, sad songs make me happy. So yeah, <laughs> it's good company. Yeah. I, I, I really feel like I've maybe, I have a harder time now listening to sad songs. Cause I, um, I'm like dead inside and all I can do is listen to podcasts now. But, um, <laughs> yeah, there was a moment of, emotional catharsis with the combination of like being in nature running and listening to this like really heartbreaking song um so yeah I don't know when do we cross into that phase of like music to podcast because I think I'm just like slowly crossing that threshold Mm -hmm. like I want to say I'm like 31 so I want to say I started like two years ago and now all I keep listening to is like NPR and shit (laughs) Yeah, I I wonder if it's a generational thing or if it's sort of just the kind of correlates with the streaming because there's, I don't know, there was like such a relationship that you would have to music growing up with like a full album and, and really having like a sense of loyalty because there really was only like a handful of artists that you could find and fall in love with. Um, and I think a lot of, the music that we listened to when we were younger, it became the soundtrack of such intense moments of uh, like our formative years. And it's like, I don't know when you get older, it's almost like you, at least for me, it's, it's harder for me to go back into those spaces. Um, I'm less willing to get as emotionally in it. Uh, and so, yeah, the, the, the podcast thing is just sort of, I'm not really encountering a ton of new music anymore. I'm trying to, but, um, it's, it's a lot more overwhelming. So you kind of just go back to your old favorites. And my husband is a musician and he's really, really good at, um, kind of finding obscure music and showing me a lot of that. So I kind of rely on him now because that's sort of his world and he's always, um, looking for new stuff and a lot of older stuff actually too. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely have transitioned to podcasts. <laughs> it also could be the writer thing too. You're into more narratives and everything maybe. Yeah. And I wish I could listen to something while I, while I write, but I, I really can't. I, um, it's just, just be pure silence, <laughs> that ominous silence. <laughs> 
just checked off that question I was going to ask you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, believe me, I get a mixture of people who are, like, pure silence, or I have to listen to, like, K-pop or weird, like, nature noises, like, all sorts. (laughs) Yeah, I've tried, you know, binaural beats um, or instrumental stuff, and I think it's just anything can distract me, so I sort of have to create this vacuum. Um, of isolation and uh, yeah I can't really have anything else going on you know like if I hear I have a lot of really obnoxious birds in my yard um, and that'll kind of throw me off too so yeah see I grew up with a really really big family so I think that that's why I la- like have to listen to music while writing or before or almost at all times because my mind needs to be combating things or else it's just not working. Mm, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Like if it's pure silence, I just go, like, go a little crazy. Like what the hell? Someone do something, say something, turn music on. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I I feel like I'm always trying to coax my brain into functioning. <laughs> and um yeah, I I I don't know any other I had to I have this whole elaborate setup of of like rituals and just to eke out the writing. You know, like I I kind of wish I think it's just being more introverted and um sensitive I I really have to create a fortress in order to get anything done and sometimes I've done too good a job at that so that's where you know in the in-between if I'm taking a break I'll listen to a bit of a podcast and clean up or something because um that gets a little bit punishing after a while (laughs) do you have like a go-to podcast that you go into oh god there's yeah there's a few I've really been into this Jungian life um these three Jungian analysts who have very calming voices um so I really like them what else am I listening to I I stopped with the true crime just because uh a few years ago I stopped with that because I was like this is bad for my brain um I like uh Poog which is like these two comedians Jacqueline Novak and um Kate Berlant talking about sort of wellness culture um yeah a lot of like comedy podcasts actually and then um obviously like uh Duncan Trussell and and kind of more spiritually bent like kind of there's one that's like an old Ramdas one where it's just all of his old lectures. Um, yeah, I don't know. A lot of, I, I guess like a lot of therapy ones. Um, How Long Gone, that's uh, a good one. Yeah, what, what about you? Honestly, I'm really into Tiny Desk. Uh, God, I'm just going to start pulling up my thing. Isn't it? I like yeah, listening it's, to it's horror hard. queers. Like, there, there's so many. Uh, I'm just going on my Apple Podcast app right now. Let's check out the library, shall we? <laughs> I'm really in, this is so, so dorky, the Pirate History Podcast. I don't know why my mind latched onto it, but it did. Oh, wow. Never heard of it. 
Well, there are over a thousand episodes, and it's everything you ever want to know about pirates. Cool. <laughs> I like uh, What the Fuck with Mark Marin Cla- or classic. Stuff You Missed in History class, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty simple there. <laughs> or uh, I like The Losers Club. That's uh, They're located here in Chicago. It's all about Stephen King books. Oh, cool. But yeah, I'm into pretty nerdy, very nerdy podcast. Mm-hmm. I wish I was like into like the really, really deep ones. I did try some true crime ones, but then I thought I was becoming too much of a basic white girl. Mm. So I immediately was like, I need to break that. Yeah. And there's really only so much uh, that you can listen to. And I, I just don't know. I don't know how healthy it is to consciously or sort of always constantly be, um, I already think, you know, stepping outside my house feels dangerous, so I don't need anyone to reinforce that narrative for me. <laughs> exactly. And, like, Netflix is already throwing all the documentaries at us. Like, how much can you take? Yeah. I'm definitely more of, like, a comedy uh, person. I I can barely stand, like, a drama. I'm just too, I'm just too sensitive, I think. I mean, I could definitely see the comedy, I would almost say, like, whimsicalness in your writing. Mm -hmm. Are you aiming for that? Yeah, I think so. Um, I really, I wanted it to be joyful, and I really, um, I really like levity, especially when, you know, unpacking some darker stuff or creating these really absurdist, exaggerated characters Um, I think it's so much easier to uh, have like a little bit of of emotional distance from them to, to kind of examine like that core wound that they're struggling with, you know, like um, if you show someone this really extreme version of something that we all kind of maybe struggle with, it's a little bit easier to, to look at instead of being so literal um, and so it's a way of, uh, yeah, teasing it out and, 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 and like laughing at, you know, some of the darker parts of our, our psyche. So, um, that's the kind of stuff that I like to read and watch and, and yeah, I, um, I just wanted to make my friends laugh, I think. <laughs> When I was sent your book, um, you're compared to Miranda July. Would you say that that holds up? I mean, yeah, I think, you know, I think she's incredible um, as a writer and filmmaker and performer. Um, You know, it's it's weird, I think, to be compared to someone like that um (laughs) hey it's your publisher not mine (laughs) yeah um I think that was maybe from a blurb uh because I remember seeing that but yeah she's definitely I think in that that realm of absurdist um kind of more experimental stuff so yeah I can see that what did you think of Kajillionaire, by the way? Did, did you see it? Yeah, I liked it. Um, Finally, someone. You did, Oh, you, you liked it, yeah. I love it. Okay. I like it, but I can't find anyone else. Yeah, I think it was, you know, 
it came out during like the lockdown we were still sort of all in the thick of it so I think the timing was off for its release and I think maybe people weren't I don't know you just sort of get sick of doing everything on your laptop and um streaming a new movie it's so much about kind of where you're at and so maybe maybe people were just like in a we're just off or something but um I really See, I, I really thought that it. like yeah like that would be like the perfect thing to like shake you out of reality a little bit mm-hmm. but yeah I really loved it too do you identify with any of Miranda July's books more specifically or I mean yeah I think her story collection is incredible there's so many great um stories in there and uh she definitely has like a very specific voice and um she'll sort of go go there I think uh just with you know uh, like there's that one story with with like the alien r- rape fantasy. <laughs> I don't know if you oh, yeah. that one. Yeah. So that I'm like, okay. Or even like the the first bad man, you know, with the 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 violent role playing with these two women and the sort of unlikely pair, um, that kind of stuff. I think that that whole book was a trip. I loved it. Yeah. She's sort of operating on this whole other level that like that she, I feel like she doesn't even get her due of how much of a genius she is because people sort of can, uh, say it's twee or whatever, you know, and I, I don't know where that comes from, but I do, I think that she is almost like ahead of her time in a way. And I wonder I mean, obviously she's huge, so maybe she's getting her due. But I, I just feel like as a as a real artist, I, I don't know if if people are really getting it. But the people that really do get it, get it, you know. It's one of those, if you know, you know. Yeah, totally. I like that she made the transition into, like, making films and everything. And I could definitely see the voice and everything just so casually slipping into it. And I could actually see... You're going to probably think it's dirty. I can imagine this collection of yours as like a really weird indie movie. Can you see it? Um, yeah, I guess like a lot of the character, it's sort of the same universe, you know? Yeah. Um, even though there's sort of these little vignettes that are, that are different. But um, I'm, I am really like obviously living in LA. I think a lot of people ask if you write screenplays, a lot of people <laughs> ask me. Um, uh and it's something that I'm more and more interested in for sure. Um, just sort of, I'm, I'm in that world a lot. And, uh, for this book, I did the, I, I, I worked with a director friend of mine to, to make these book trailers that are actually coming out. They're premiering next Monday on document journal. So they'll, they'll be out, but, um, that was sort of a really fun thing to do with, um, friends. We shot it all on film. So I took like, three scenes from the book. Um, and we did these little mini short films for each one as a sort of book trailer. And, and I cast a bunch of different LA artists and musicians and comedians and that sort of thing. Um, to, to see, you know, to, to bring it to life, I guess, and, and kind of work with other people who were, you know, 
in the film world to kind of help me do that. And so I, I definitely, I don't know, it, I was able to sort of imagine what this book would look like <laughs> in a visual sense. I am very, very excited to check those out. Yeah. <laughs> like I just wrote it down. I'm just like, make make sure to check it out, Mallory. Yeah, I can send you the, the links too. We actually, we had a um, kind of like a premiere event back in April with Noya House downtown in LA. It was at the Bradbury building and um, it was, we, we, we played the films and then we had a bunch of, readers and there was like over 300 people there it was insane like I was so confused (laughs) but it was um you know I I had that distinct feeling of like okay well I'll never top this (laughs) like it's just all downhill from here um but that was really cool and it made me feel like okay I'm a part of a creative community in LA people are supporting these projects and um you know, the book wasn't out yet. So, but it still felt like, um, people were interested. And so that was really fun. I mean, you're at that really like exciting place right now when it comes to putting a book out. I mean, there's that like sense of accomplishment and the realization that you're putting something really valuable out into the world and you get that really cool, like tingling anticipation to hear what your readers are going to think. And you're going like a thousand miles per hour, but yeah, there there is definitely likely going to be that either crashing feeling when it's all done or just like a feeling of relief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I keep thinking, you know, the I guess the 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 silver lining of publishing taking so long is um, you get to grow up and. <laughs> during the time that you're sort of waiting and you, and you become more grounded just by virtue of time passing. And so that's been, I think if, you know, my book came out five years ago, I maybe wouldn't be as like emotionally prepared for it, but I I feel like I've had enough time myself to kind of sit with it so that it's not, hopefully I won't crash because I'm not going to, I won't get as high, (laughs) you know? Hopefully you're more emotionally stable than your characters. Yeah, yeah TBD on that, but let's just hope all my <laughs> self-help therapy podcasts are really going to kick in at the right time. Yeah, you're just going to go overload on those. Yeah. <laughs> okay, if you're going to be listening to sad songs, though, instead, what would you be listening to? Well, my sad era was a lot of, um, this was like, like I would say like 2009, era like a lot of David Bazan which I don't even know if people know Pedro the Lion um that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and uh it was like Damien Gerardo uh Sun Kill Moon just some real sad old dudes uh <laughs> that was sort of my uh MO and yeah I I was just like at that time always like I was working with musicians. I was like going on tour. I was like, that was sort of just like my life. And I, and I feel like everybody was, was, 
listening to that kind of stuff because it was like the era of hype machine. And like I had a music blog and I was putting on shows and now it just feels so like all these little disparate kind of, I I don't even know what the, I guess pop music will still always ring, but like at the time it did feel like it was weirder, like indie folk kind of artists. Um, they had their audience and they were able, and, and some of them were like more mainstream. Um, I guess like, no, I didn't like, I didn't listen to them, but like Mumford and Sons, for example, you know, like that type of music was huge. And I don't know that that's the case anymore. Um, no, <laughs> a couple yeah. years ago though. Yeah. By a couple, I mean, I don't even know how long ago my sense of time is gone. Yeah. Everything is a couple years ago for me. Right. <laughs> Same. Just basically 2012 was a couple years ago. Yeah, haunting. That that's, feels true. But, yeah. What did you, like, cover with your music blog and everything? What kind of stuff? Yeah, I think it was a lot of, you know, that, that sort of indie music, like Animal Collective and those kinds of bands. Um, yeah, I, I was living in San Diego and, uh, I was working for this nonprofit and I was in the music department. So it was me and two friends of mine and our job was sort of outreach to musicians to get them to bring us out on tour so that we could sell our merch and, and raise money for this nonprofit. Um, and that was really a thing at the time the the nonprofit component. Um, I did warp tour and that kind of stuff. And then, uh, did a lot of benefit shows at like the Troubadour or whatever with like bands that I loved, um, and who are still friends of mine to this day, weirdly. Um, and so the music blog was just sort of like, it fit into like that whole world that I was already in. And I had it for like six years. Um, and it was like, you know, just, this was pre-streaming, so it was really kind of like getting MP3s and embedding them, and it was very like old-school WordPress blog kind of thing. Um, <laughs> I just really loved. I wasn't making any money off of it. I just really loved music, and I wanted to support my friends. So, um, yeah, that's that was my life for a long time. What kind of person are you at a concert since you mentioned Warp Tour and stuff? Are you like one of those strictly business people? Do you get into it? Are you one of those people that hangs back? What, what are you? Well, I, I thought you were going to say, what kind of person are you? Period. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, I was like, who are honestly, you? I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, at a concert, God, yeah. I Usually, I'm like at the back trying to hide, like hide. Uh, I don't know. Like I'm not, um, I always think everything is like too loud. Um, <laughs> but I'm, yeah, I'm definitely not at the front. So I know your husband is in a pretty notable band. I've actually seen them live a few times. What genre do you consider his music though? Um, he plays in this band called local natives and they've been around for a while, actually since middle school. So truly like 20 years. It's actually, um, really impressive. They, it's like all the same band members except for one and they've all been friends forever. Um, so it's like indie rock, uh, 
kind of stuff. So, yeah. Do you hang back when you watch that too? Or Yeah, I'm usually like, maybe I'm like side stage or, or, or backstage, you know, I, I've done to, like, I've been on to, like little runs of like their tours or, or when they, when they get to play like, you know, cool cities, you know, we went, we all went to Greece, um, for a show that they did, or, uh, we did the Paramore cruise once, which that was my first time on like a cruise ship, stuff like that. I mean, I don't really go anymore. I actually truly hate touring, um, so much. I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> so I've stopped I actually, you know, one of the stories in the collection is heavily inspired by, uh, that relationship of, of, you know, kind of being with somebody who's a musician and being on tour with them. It's called watch me. I don't know if you got that far. I definitely did. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's such a, everybody to get there too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Keep reading. It's such a weird, uh, surreal kind of existence. And I think it's one thing if you're, a band you're and it's you're going on stage and you're kind of it's your thing but it's a completely different thing when you're really just tagging along and I've only done as long as long as like maybe two weeks but that's mm-hmm. too long for me you know I, th- I think especially because I had my own thing going on either I had my I had a full-time job or I was writing and so oftentimes you How lack to balance that yeah. I don't know. I, it's like, uh, you really sort of, you lose that identity. I think when you're on tour and, and people don't really have a ton of context for your full humanity. I think a lot of, you know, it is a boys club still. And a lot of men or promoters or whoever's just like at the venue, uh, they, they, they often think you're just sort of a fan or, uh, just a girlfriend or something. And I really had a tough time with that, I think, because I was like, I'm a, I'm a real, I'm an artist, you know? Um, but that was like my own thing, you know, it was fun too. I don't want to say it wasn't like, it's just, it's so much of it is uncomfortable and gross. Um, (laughs) But, I mean, you really are on like the other side of things, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I can imagine that the payoff is like, okay, you play a show, and that you get that sort of adrenaline rush, and it feels like good to to perform your work and share that with an audience. I'm like that to me feels like the, why you do it. So yeah, I dig it. Did you have to like be on like the side stage a lot or? Yeah, I would. Yeah. Or I would just, I mean. I always wondered like how, like, do you really enjoy it from there or? No, the sound is just like not the same. <laughs> That's what I imagined. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's usually like a spot that, that they like reserve that you can, it's a pretty good seat, you know, hopefully if it's a seat, I can't stand, I I'm just too old to stand. Um, but their shows are, they're such an incredible live band. And I thought this before we even started dating, like I was a fan and I 
their, their live show is like really like nothing else. It is the most thrilling thing still to this day for me to, um, watch. So I think that's, that helps. And, you know, I do like their, their music and yeah. Is it weird to like date somebody that you're a fan of first? Don't worry. You're not the only person I've asked this from. Cause I have friends who are married to people. Who, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was a, I, I should say like, uh, so I'd known my husband for like years before because I, I was good friends with one of the guys in, in the band. And so that was sort of how I knew about them. So it was sort of like, it wasn't just sort of like I was just a, a fan. I was a friend too. And I think if anything, I, it's, I, I genuinely, uh, you know, am inspired by the music that he makes and writes. Um, so it's a good thing. It's not a, it's not, it doesn't feel creepy, I guess. <laughs> no, don't worry. I wouldn't think it was creepy. I mean, I do have one friend who is kind of creepy with their boyfriend, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. And I think I like so many different kinds of music. It's not like I was just like all about Fan them. Girling. Yeah. So if your book were to have a soundtrack, what kind of music would it be? Hmm. Yeah, I actually just got to do a playlist for, I don't know what's coming out, but Large Hearted Boy, which is like, that's like an OG music blog. Um, <laughs> and it, it was a lot of like, you know, because I, I it, it wasn't music, obviously, that I was listening to while I was writing it, but I was thinking about the characters and the types of artists that feel kind of in conversation with those characters. And I really, really love, um, that artist. Okay. Kaya. She's, um, sort of like a singer songwriter. Her lyrics are, you know, very funny and smart. And, um, the, I think that the songs are really clever. It's sort of like similarly all disheartening, I would say. Um, and Issy Wood, so, and Elki, my friend Elki, um, these are, they all kind of share that same element of almost performance art in the way that they perform and, and in the songs themselves, it's it sort of, um, it's like you're in on a joke, you know, it's sort of ironic and, um, and I, and I like that. I really like um, interesting, strange lyrics, you know? I mean, I would hope so with what I read. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, th- there's definitely an absurdity to your writing, not in a bad way, but I think it would fit perfectly with that kind of music. Yeah, totally. So would you like to read some of it? Sure. Yeah. Um, do you have a preference? I mean, it's all you, this is your show. (laughs) Okay. No pressure. All right. I can read a bit from tug spin release. Uh, how long do you want me to read for just like a couple minutes? Yeah. I'd say don't overshoot 10 minutes. 
Yeah, I could do like a five. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So this is from a story called Tug Spin Release. What if this is hell? I'd been repeating it to myself ever since Heather's little sister, Claire, offered up her grim diagnosis of reality. It was a passing philosophical musing from a slightly buzzed 20-something wearing cowboy boots and a sash that read, Bride Tribe, but it stuck with me. You mean the Pueblo Bonita Pacifica, I joked, referring to the cheesy, all-inclusive resort we had booked for Heather's bachelorette weekend in Cabo? Our room had gaudy Spanish-style decor and a faded cream carpeting that had an Orange County divorcee-type ambiance to it, but no one cared because we needed it only for the express purpose of doing drugs and sleeping. I wanted to remind Claire that this hell seemed fairly benign compared to most people's, like the arthritic cleaning lady who had come by to unclog the toilet for a second time that day, but I knew what she meant. Everyone suffers, but how that suffering is doled out is unique to each person. I was comforted by the thought and nearly offered the platitude of being kind because everyone is fighting a hard battle, but I didn't know the exact phrasing and had just taken two edible cookies and was too self-conscious to get it wrong in front of the group. I met Heather through my friend Amelia, who couldn't travel due to health issues, making me a second-tier invite. I was fine with this and had committed myself to consuming twice as much of everything in Amelia's honor. It's what she would have wanted. I was struggling to get into a rhythm with the other women, mostly because my mind was elsewhere. I was waiting for an email that was going to change my life, but the cell reception was weak and my inbox wouldn't refresh no matter how many times I tugged and released the screen. Days earlier, on a whim, I'd submitted a few poems about birds and spit and the texture of velvet to a prestigious artist residency program in upstate New York. The prize involved a month-long stay in a private cabin, which was enough time for me to finally establish myself as an artist and then figure out a way to stay there for the rest of my life. I could work as a farmhand in exchange for room and board and devote the rest of my time to writing and having deep conversations and casual sex with like-minded people. I'd been writing poems for as long as I could remember, and my only plan up until now had been to eventually die so that my work could be discovered posthumously. I thought of my poetry as my own personal voyager floating through space and time, awaiting contact. My poems wouldn't even have to be great since people tend to be more forgiving of the dead. As a poet, I could think of nothing more romantic. But the residency was much bigger than that. It was my ticket out. Being a middle school phys ed teacher hadn't been my original plan. I thought I'd be a gymnast, like one of those muscular girls who run around twirling ribbons in the air, whatever they're called. Then I turned 12 and my boobs mushroomed practically overnight. Even then, I knew it was over for me. No one aspires to teach gym. It's just something that happens to you through a series of poor choices and an inability to grasp even basic math. The funniest part is that I would have never known about the residency if I hadn't overheard Margaret, the English teacher, discussing it in the break room. 
Apparently, she was invited last year and stowed away in a cabin for six weeks, which makes sense because she suspiciously returned for the fall semester with an entirely new nose. Convenient. Margaret thought she was hot shit because she graduated from an Ivy League and made people call her doctor for some reason. Yet there we were in the Eastmont Middle School women's restroom, separated only by a thin partition, desperately waiting for the other to leave. I wasn't built for academia. The girls at school terrified me. They only ever wore sports bras and nothing else, and if I made a comment, they accused me of being a pervert and threatened to sue for sexual harassment. The boys reeked of jewel and did nothing to hide their erections, which were constant and hypnotizing. I couldn't take my eyes off them, if you want to talk about hell. I wrote poems about how their basketball shorts flapped in the breeze patriotically like flags, but I never showed them to anyone. No one had any idea I could write at all. I hoped that in the coming weeks, I would find out for myself. That's probably good, or... No, I like it. That's really yeah. good. Okay, great. <laughs> it's a mood, as Gen Z would say. Yeah, it is. a whole mood. No, it's definitely like, I don't know, very whimsically aloof, yet also unhinged. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that one was probably my most... Um, it's very off-kilter. Uh, yeah. I mean, she she needs therapy, for sure. She's sort of... Uh, lost her mind um, but I kind of just wanted to take something like that core desperation I think a lot of people feel when they're waiting for an email that they think mm-hmm. it's going to change everything for them and the preoccupation with it and so I was like I just want to write about somebody who absolutely blows up their life and alienates everyone around them uh, in anticipation for this sort of news that's allegedly coming. I, I just thought that would be a fun, <laughs> fun character to try on. Yeah. No, it definitely is. And it's not even really that much of a character for so many people as more. It's just real life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For that story though, what, what song would be playing in the background? Oh, wow. I like hmm. putting these weird pressure questions on people. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a part at the end where she's she's hung up on this ex who kind of ghosted her and I think really affected her and she is sort of pretending to be over it. Um, and in her kind of manic excitement of awaiting this news, she starts to craft these text messages that she won't send. But one of them is sort of this kind of long meandering uh, paragraph about how she's so totally over him and none of these poems are about him. So, you know, that that song you're so vain probably comes to mind you know classic <laughs> right yeah um bringing it back to the 60s right yeah I who is that is that carly carly, carly simon, simon? Or, yeah is it yeah yeah but we don't know who she wrote the song about that's the mystery oh yeah interesting although i do think like she's said she revealed it at one point but i missed it well, I think that's smart because then everybody can kind of project themselves onto it, and that's sort of the point of the song. I like that it kind of made all her exes go a little weary for a bit there. 
like who which right. one of us yeah totally but no I think that's a really good that's a good vibe are you going to be doing uh, touring for this at all or just uh, local readings yeah I mean I don't know that I would call it a tour but I'm doing a bunch of events in LA and New York and then I think I'm doing a couple zooms um, elsewhere but um, yeah I think I think touring is sort of mellowed out from what I've heard with, uh, post COVID. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I have, I, I'm going to be announcing like a bunch of my book launch events soon. Um, I've got one at skylight and stories and despair books, um, in LA I'm doing Both amazing places. Totally. Yeah. It's a t- they're my favorite, um, bookstores and I have a I'm doing a performance of one of the stories at the Elysian theater in August that I'm going to be announcing. Um, it's a, I created this whole PowerPoint presentation to accompany my reading. Um, so there's like sort of visual, uh, you know, visual slides. Uh, so that'll be fun. Um, and then yeah, in so New York school, I know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, in New York, still working out the details, but there will be a couple events out there at the end of the last week of July. So That is so exciting. Yeah, I'm excited. It's really starting to ramp up now. Um, I'm very much kind of in it, uh, which is cool and frightening. <laughs> I would say, for me, I wouldn't be able to do it. I have an anxiety disorder, but for you, it sounds awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is weird to go from, I think it's just the emotional whiplash of going from being so isolated with inside your head with a project for, for so many years to then kind of being thrust into the world to have to, to talk about it. And, and partly that's so thrilling because I just, it's, it really does allow me to connect with people and, um, it, that is the whole point, but I think it's also, you know, I feel like talking is a, is a, is a less developed skill that I have than writing. And I, you know, I, I spend like most days completely silent if I think about it, unless I'm, you know, I'm like texting my friends. But, um, when I recorded my audiobook, that was really, <laughs> apparent because you have to talk and you, you it's not just you're reading you're enunciating you're really performing you're doing voices for six hours a day and by the end of the first day my voice was completely shot and it was because I had never really worked out that muscle before I had so much respect for voice actors who have to do that all the time um so <laughs> if anybody if anybody listens to my audiobook just if you get to the end, just know that that was after like, you know, a 20 hour marathon of me reading. (laughs) So it's like truly any tips for how to survive doing that long of reading. (sighs) Oh God. Um, yeah, I guess do vocal exercises. My husband was trying to teach me what he does before show and I was doing it like five minutes before I had to go to the studio. So it really was pointless, but really kind of, I would say practice and just to work those muscles. Um, and then when you go home at night, don't speak, uh, drink lots of tea. Um, but I did notice by day three, my voice had 
had gotten a lot stronger. So I think if I, you know, I have a lot of respect for podcasters too, because I'm just like, I, yeah, this is, this is work. This is like weirdly physical, but you don't really think about it too much. Yeah, you actually have a pretty good point. There definitely is a physical aspect that a lot of people don't think about when it comes to, say, uh, voice recording and podcasts and everything. There's a lot of practice and editing and cutting, and I would definitely say that like throughout this entire process, my voice has definitely gotten stronger and steadier, or at least in my opinion, it has, but... Yeah, I, I guess there is more of like, it's all about posture and the way I'm actually composed at this moment while speaking to you. And yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Yeah, the consistency is a lot more subtle. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not going from like zero to a hundred. So I think you're maybe doing it the right way. Definitely. Well, okay. Is there anything you want to plug before we leave? Hmm. I mean, really just my book. Uh, that would be great. <laughs> people would like to just buy that. Just read her goddamn book, okay, people. Um, and the book trailers that are coming out, they'll be out next, um, on June, June 20th. Um, so look out for that if you want to get a little teaser and I'll send them to you if you want to see them before that. But Oh, I definitely want to. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I, I, I do most of my stuff. I, I post mostly on Instagram. I'm pretty terrible at Twitter. Um, feels like a party that I arrived at too late and everyone has a secret language that I just absolutely cannot grasp or have the energy to. So really just if I'm yeah announcing events and stuff, it's probably just going to be on Instagram. So Sounds good. And don't worry, the Twitter party is slowly winding down. We just don't know where the after party is. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I wonder what's next. Maybe the real world. That would be a cool uh, throwback, you know. What a shakeup that would be. Yeah. Maybe I'll see you in the real world then. Yeah, hopefully. I'll let you know if I ever come to Chicago. I'll more likely be in L.A. but Probably. Yeah. That's honestly, yeah. Maybe just come, come over here. I'll annoy you like I annoyed Duncan. Just be like, let's get coffee. I would love to get coffee with you and Duncan. That sounds like fun. Oh my God, that'd be the best triumvirate ever. I know. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh my gosh. Thank you. This was so fun. All right. That was Nada Alec, a whimsically unhinged writer that you need to check out now if you haven't already. Definitely grab a copy of Bad Thoughts the instant it comes out, like the very second it does. If you want to get to know Nada and her work more, check out her author site, nadaalec.com, or her Twitter, at nadaalec. The spelling for both will be in the show notes. As always, if you want to get to know us more, find Textual Healing on Twitter, at PodHealing, and take a look at our website, textualpodcast.com. If you would like to help us out, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review, or check out our merch website where we actually sell some really dorky t-shirts for textual healers. Check out past episodes and keep a lookout for new ones to come every other Saturday. This is Mallory Smart. Thanks for listening to the show. Thank you.